So today, um, we're going to be talking about Christmas um, from the aspect of using four little small words to describe one big story. Um, and it's, how many of y'all ever played Mad Lib? Any y'all? All right, Mad Lib is where you, uh, you take uh, just random thoughts. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to the person next to you, and I want you to tell them in only four words, not five. If you use five, you will flunk. Right? But with only four words, um, what this Christmas season will mean to you. Four words. Describe it in four words. Go. too late. Come on now. All right. Uh, give me, somebody shout one of your words. Hope. Hope. Very good. All right. There's one. Family. There's two. Joys. Three. Blah, 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 blah. Safety. Savior. Very good. That's even better than safety. All right. It's four. Of course, unless you're, and, and this is again, if we were talking about rednecks last week, there are people in our neighborhood still, they're still um, um, doing fireworks. It's, I guess it's Christmas fireworks here in the South, but people are still blowing stuff up here in the South. Again, last week's sermon, you might be a redneck if, all right? Uh, but here, words have a lot of, there's a lot of power with hope and Savior and family joy. There's just, those convey a lot of different things. I, as a pastor, I love words. I love listening to a good preacher um, and just l listening to him talk about and just words. I love listening to Garrison Keillor. Y'all have heard of Garrison Keillor? Uh, he is a storyteller, really gifted storyteller that he's created this entire fictitious town called Lake Wobegon where all the men are strong, all the women are good looking, and all the children are above average. NPR, it's really cool. I like it because he can take just words, words that I use, but he uses them eloquently, and he tells this beautiful story. I love words. And really, those four words that you chose for the, this Christmas season, so many times, so many other words and noises get into the way and totally drown out the reason why we do what we do. That the reason why we celebrate Christmas is because the Word became flesh. Jesus, who is the Word, became flesh. And He came down. So we're going to describe not just the Christmas story, but literally the entire story of the Bible in four words this morning. Some of y'all are saying, it should be a short sermon. And y'all are going, woohoo! Right. Anyway, <clears throat> don't count on it. Um, the first word that we're going to be looking at today is found in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So if you have a, a Bible with you, if you have one of the One Church Bibles, turn to the first book of the Bible. It's called Genesis. Into the first chapter of the first book. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. And we're going to be looking at the first word in the story 
of these small words telling one big story. All right? <clears throat> so let's break it down into the simplicity. Let's, this is what it says. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image, everybody say that next part. Of God, he created them, both male and female, he created them. The first word is the word of. Everybody say the word of. We are created in the image of God. It's a small word, but a huge truth. We are created in the image of God. We are created of God himself. We are created by God for intimacy. We were created in community of the Trinity for community. We are created and we are made in the image of God. That we bear his image. That when people look at you, they should get a glimpse of God because we are made of God. Now, how many of y'all have children in here? All right. How many of y'all want to sell some children? All of us. It's amazing. Um, all right. For, this, if, for those who have children, the word of is a big word for you because your children are of you. Uh, I have a son who uh, actually has three, but my oldest son, uh, he's 10 years old. His name is Walt, and he is an exact clone of me. You never have to worry about who's his daddy. All right? Toby Key's song, it's answered. I am his father because he looks just like me. He's really good looking. All right? <clears throat> I mean, he is of me. Just as your children are of you, us being God's children, we are of him. We are created by him, of him, and for him. We are created for him. Um, Adam and Eve, in, in, during this time, had a perfect relationship with God. Perfect. It was intimate. Um, the, in fact, after a long day of naming animals, Adam and Eve would walk together with God in the stillness of the cool of the day. They had this intimate relationship with God that nothing was in their way. They were perfect. They had a perfect relationship with Him. They knew who they were and why they existed. They knew their identity, and their identity was wrapped up in that little word of God. Perfect relationship. They did life together. An intimate relationship. Can you even imagine having that type of relationship with God? You probably can't, and I can't because we've never experienced that. We've never experienced the of God. And that's where our story begins, that we are created of God. But if you know the story of the Bible, you know that's not where it ends. Because even though of God was the best place to be, Satan convinced Adam and Eve that it just wasn't enough, that they needed to be like God. That, and if you disobey God, if you choose, God says, I'll, you can do anything you want to. But just don't eat of this tree. That Satan says, you know what? If you want to be like God, then you will disobey him and you will eat of this tree. And they had the knowledge, once they, once they took the bite, they willfully disobeyed God and they sinned. And once they sinned, it busted up that relationship of of forever. It changed. 
And where once they hid, excuse me, once they walked together in the coolness of the day, now they're hiding from God. It's actually, we can even hide from God. And God has to come out and say, where are you, Adam? Are you Eve? Are we going to walk together? No, because anytime sin comes into the world, it always brings a separation. Always. Sin will separate any relationship. And it does separate the relationship between people and God. It tears it and rips it apart. So that we don't have that perfect, intimate relationship with God anymore. Because of wasn't enough. That's what Satan convinced. Let's, I want you to be like. And through the rest of the Old Testament, through the rest of the Old Testament story, from Genesis 3 now on, all the way through Malachi, they're not under the word of anymore. They're under a different word. God is there, but He's not close. In fact, the, the second word is found in the next book. So if, you, if you're in Genesis, flip over to Exodus, the next book, and we're going to be looking at Exodus chapter 33. And uh, before we get there, I just want to kind of set it up. Outside of Adam and Eve, the next person who had the closest, most intimate relationship with God was a fellow by the name of Moses. Moses, uh, the, God's Word says that Moses talked to God as you would talk to a friend. God has never spoken to me audibly, right? But God would speak audibly to Moses, and Moses and God would talk as, as if you and I were talking together right now. So Moses has a question for God, and he says this. Moses responded in Exodus 33, 18, Show me your glorious presence. He's saying, I want to walk with you like Adam and Eve walked with you. I want to have that relationship of of like Adam and Eve had that relationship of of God. But here's what the Lord said. The Lord replied, I will make my goodness pass before you, and I will call out my name Yahweh before you, and I will show mercy to anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. But look at the next word. What does it say? Got a but. But. Moses is saying, I want it to be like it was. And God says, but it can't be. Because when sin entered the world, it changed the relationship of of forever, and it's broken beyond repair. But you may not look directly at my face, for no one may see me and live. This is a very different relationship than Adam and Eve had with God in the garden. No one can even now look on the face of God and live. Keep on reading. The Lord continued, look, stand, what's that next word? Near. Stand near me on this rock. As my glorious presence passes by, I will hide you in the crevice of the rock and cover my hand and cover you with my hand until I pass by. Then I will move my hand and you let you'll see me from behind. So he says, I'm gonna, you're gonna be able to see a little bit of me, but it's not gonna be my face, it's gonna be my backside. And then he says, for no one can see me and live. Do you see how much things have changed from of? What used to be a close relationship, once Adam and Eve gets to be able to literally walk with God, now God's saying, you can't even look at me and live. If you looked at my face, you would, it would be like the, the Nazis on Indiana Jones. You would melt. 
Alright? Because God is that holy. That it, because we're sinful and God is holy, that we would literally just explode. So there's a distance, there's a separation. It's no longer of, the next word is and. It's God and us. It's God and us. There is a separation, there's a distance. It's not like what it was. The closest someone can get, and, and, and this is as close as it is Moses, you know, just being able to barely be able to catch a glimpse of God's back. It has changed forever because anytime sin enters the world, it messes up. I like the end of verse 21. It says, the Lord continued, look, stand near me on this rock. God isn't close, but he's near. And that is where and is at. Sometimes he appears in a bunning bush. Sometimes he appears by a pillar of fire. Sometimes he's, he's near, but you can't see him. You can't touch him. You know God is out there, but now you have to go through the Old Testament. You had to go through this elaborate system of worship of doing this and doing this and cleaning yourself this way. And it's only through that that you're even able to get a semi-quasi-presence of God. But it's changed forever. And everyone in the Old Testament who lived, lived in a hand. It's God and us. God is out there. He's near, but He's not close. He's near, but he's not close. And, and they tried spending all of their time trying to find God through doing this and doing that and going through systems of sacrifice and all of this stuff and all of this religion. And it just it made them farther and farther away, it seems like. And, and, and it seems like for you today, there may be people in here that this may describe your relationship with God today. You're in that and. You know God exists. But you're not close to Him. He's near, but he, you don't feel close to Him. And we're going to talk today at the end of how can you feel close to God. That God has not made you to live in this and forever. That God and you. That God has, it leads us to the next word in our story. That because God realized that we could not get to Him. We couldn't bridge the gulf. The separation was too far. And that we couldn't do it. So God came and bridged the gap for us. God brings a new word into the story. And through the, whole, the entire Old Testament, God's speaking through prophets. But then at the end of Malachi, 400 years, there's just 400 years of nothing but silence. And now they're not even hearing from God through other people. And for 400 years, think about that. America is not 400 years old. For 400 years, it was just silent. And through that silence, God was working behind the scenes to bring the next word of the story. In fact, this word is so important. This word is used as one of Jesus' names. Look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. The angel is talking to Mary and says this, Look, look, the virgin shall conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and he will be called, what's that next word? Emmanuel. That word Emmanuel is not an English word. It's a Hebrew word. El is God. So Emmanuel, God, and then the Emmanuel is with, 
with us. God with us. Somebody say the word with. That's the next word in our story, is with. The third word in our story is with. No longer separated. No longer it's God and us because He bridged the, the distance that sin brings. God entered the world as a baby. The churchy word for this is incarnation. Everybody say that word. Incarnation. Now some of you go, well, I don't know what that means. Well, I'll explain it to you. How many of y'all have had chili con carne? Alright. How many of y'all are hungry right now? Alright. Alright. We're going to meet everybody afterwards. We're going to you know, eat. Anyway. Con carne. What does con carne mean? Chili con carne. With meat. Very good. Now, if con carne means with meat, then incarne means in meat. You see, Jesus came, God came incarnate, incarnation. He, became, he came in meat. He was God in meat. It's like God came to this earth and like we put on pants in the morning and shirt, he put on flesh. That Jesus has always been around. He is the Word. He's been since the beginning. But Jesus came and put on flesh. He became incarnate. God entered the world as a baby. God became a man. The all-powerful made himself breakable. The God who created the universe became an embryo. Think about that. That God who created Mary is now in human form being created inside of her womb. That's cool. That's, that's neat. And I, I just, I, I love that. God is with us. God came near. In fact, John 1.14 in the message this is how Eugene Peterson talks about it. That the Word became flesh and blood and moved into our neighborhood. I like that. How many of y'all ever had new people come to your neighborhood before? That's Jesus. Jesus says, you know what? I came flesh and blood and I'm going to move into your neighborhood. And Jesus came and He came and now it is Emmanuel, God with us. God, Jesus said, there's no longer going to be a distance. There's no longer going to be a distance that's created by sin. It doesn't have to be that way because now I am with you. That word with is a great word. I'll tell you, that word with is a very important word to Kim and I. Uh, my wife and I just a couple of weeks ago celebrated 15 years of marriage. So, um, But the last six months of our engagement, she lived here in Nashville, in Clarksville, excuse me, Clarksville, Nashville, and I lived in Dallas, Texas. I was going to seminary at Dallas Theological Seminary and I was, I was working, I was cleaning pools, and I was also doing seminary work, alright? I was, I was the cabana boy. <laughs> anyway, alright. But the last six months of our engagement, we didn't see each other. She was here working, uh, working on the wedding, doing all the prep work for the wedding, and I was in seminary working on stuff for school. And I flew back. Kim and I were talking about this just a couple of days ago. I flew back on Friday, the Friday before the marriage. So this is the day of, all right? And, um, and I, I, I flew in. I was here for about three hours and went to the rehearsal dinner. And then we get, we get married the next day. And finally, we, it, used, it, it was Kim and Chris because we were in two different states. But there's no more distance anymore because after the wedding, we were with one another. With is a good word. With is a great word. I give it two thumbs up. All right? With is a good word. And that's God saying, you know what? I came to be intimate with you. I came so that you can, God can be intimate. And there's no longer a separation. 
Because now it is Emmanuel, God with us. I love that. There's a small but powerful thing in that word with. Um, it's like this. Jesus says, you know what? I came to laugh with you. He's going to his disciples and he's saying, I came to cry with you. I came so that we could hang out and that we can do miracles with one another, that we can get in the boat with each other. I came so that we can, uh, we can sleep around the campfire, campfire with one another. I came to be with you. I came to be able to, to, to pray with you. I came to eat with you. I came to sleep with you. I came to do everything with you. He is Emmanuel. And, and Emmanuel knew that eventually the being with them, they would eventually kill him. And that once he died on a cross, after three days he was raised again, that that is eventually when that separation of sin is now totally bridged. So that now anyone can get to God because it doesn't have to stay God and us. It is now Emmanuel, God with us. And the disciple says, wow, there's nothing better than with. With is good. But Jesus says, with is good, but there's even a better word. Because Jesus told his disciples in John 16, 7, this is what he said. He says, you know what? I'm going to be leaving. It's actually best for you that I go away. And they're going, whoa. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. It's actually best for you that I go away because if I don't, the Holy Spirit won't come. And if I do go away, He will come because I will send Him to you. So even though Emmanuel got with us, it couldn't last because eventually God went and He went up to heaven to prepare a place for them and you and me. But once God left, it leads us to the next word of the story. It's a great word. Are you all sitting down? Good. All right. 2 Corinthians one twenty-two. We look at the fourth word. The fourth word. I just, I can't. I just got to tell you. I can't read the verse yet. It's in. But just keep it secret. In. God is also the one. I, I'm reading. This is cool. All right, Galatians, uh, excuse me, 2 Corinthians 1, 22, 21 and 22. God is also the one who chose us. i got to stop right there. Do you know that we don't choose God, but God chooses us? That nobody really goes looking for God unless God draws them and, and, and causes them to look for God? It's God who chose us. God is the one who has chose us and placed his mark of ownership upon us. I'm going to talk a lot about that. And who has given us the Holy Spirit. Now here's the next word. Here's the next word. He's given us the Holy Spirit. What? In. He's given the Holy Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee of all that He has in store for us. Jesus is saying, you think with's good? With ain't good enough. Emmanuel, God with us is good, but I'm even going to trump it. I'm even going to get better than that. Let's go to the word in. God wanted to live inside of us, to be in you. He wanted to allow the fullness of God to dwell in the fullness of you. And that is awesome because we don't have to try to impress God anymore. We don't have to try to make it happen anymore because it's God in us who allows it to come and makes it all happen. That's cool. You know, Jesus said, you know what, the word of, 
we're never ever going to experience that closeness of relationship ever again until we get to heaven. But until that time, I'm going to place God, the Holy Spirit, to live inside of you so that you can be able to understand and sense His direction, so that you will be able to understand when you start reading the Bible, so that you can be able to be able to sense where the next step will be. I'm going to put God in you. Man, I like that. And it says right here, it says that a mark of ownership. Can we put that verse back up there, Cindy? It says a mark of ownership. He has placed His... You know, when you begin a relationship with Jesus, who owns you? Jesus. He puts a mark of ownership and nothing's ever going to change that mark. That nothing will ever take you away from Jesus' hand. Nothing will change that fact. If you have a relationship with Jesus, you can never lose a relationship with Jesus. This is not my notes, but God doesn't... God gives you eternal life, right? Once you have Jesus Christ, and if you could lose eternal life, it wouldn't be that eternal, would it? Here's our word for you. Eternal. Eternal means... He has a lot of life. All right, all right. All right, cool. Now, not only that, but look at the end of verse 22. He places the Holy Spirit in you as a what? As the guarantee. That's another really good word. How many of y'all ever bought some craftsman tools at Sears? Cool, all right. Any of y'all have a, a, a craftsman tool that got broken? Any of y'all? What'd you do to it? Took it back. What did Sears do? They're going to give you another. Why? Because they guarantee it. Let me tell you what God says here in this verse. This is cool. He guarantees that there is more in store for us. He says, you know what? Holy Spirit's good. God living in you is good. It's a guarantee that there's going to be more to come. And I'm telling you, where God guarantees it, God stands by it. And you don't lose it. When God's living in you, He's never going to live outside of you again. That's cool. Man, that just stokes me up. All right. So the question is, as we close today, where do you see yourself in this story? God created us in the image of God and to be of God, but that relationship has been broken for quite some time because we sin. We are broken and we are fallen. We are messed up people. And for many of us in this room, it's probably where you're at is you're in the and section. You're trapped in the circumstance, in in the the cycle of and if I can do this and if I do this and if I come to this church and if I give this much and if I'm this good and and doesn't work and doesn't work because you and I can't bridge the gap of sin that is the reason why Emmanuel God came with us and so that he bridged the gap not only bridged the gap 2,000 years ago by his life but he bridges the gap for you and I today, not with even his life, but with his death on the cross. So that we now, there's no longer a separation between God and us. That we are now very close. And that if you begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you invite him in to your life, that you will have eternal life, that you will be have a seal upon you. You are marked as his property. There is a guarantee that because he lives inside of you. There's the four words that describe the entire Bible. But not just your Bible, it's your life as well. Look at my life. 
So as we're close today, I think probably the best gift that you could receive is not a not a new car. It's not anything in the tree. The best gift that you can receive is Jesus Christ. That some of you, you're in the cycle of Anne, and there's this huge separation. And if there's a huge separation, God doesn't want that separation to be there. But you have, you hear me, you have to invite Him in so that you can be with Him. He will not force himself in you. Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice, and he will let me in. But he's not going to bust down the door of your life. He's not going to say, Okay, I'm going to force you into a relationship with me. Because he's, he's not that way. He's a gentleman. But he will knock. He will knock. And some of you right now, you just, you, you're... You're burdened right now, and you've got butterflies in your stomach, and you're just like, what is going on? And maybe you've not been to church in a long time, and you're like, what's happening here? Let me tell you, it's God knocking, saying, I want in. I want to start a relationship with you. And that can happen today. Let's pray. If I'm talking to you right now, if I've been describing your experience right now and you're in the cycle of Anne and there's a separation between you and God, you know He's out there. You know He's near, but He's not close. You can start that relationship with Jesus Christ today, December the 21st, today. And it all comes with you inviting Him into your heart. By saying, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And Lord, I know that I'm broken. And Lord, I feel this separation between you and me. I feel it. I've felt it for years. I know that you're out there, but I just never can feel like I can ever get to you. And now I'm understanding for the first time that I can't get to you. That the miracle of Christmas is that you came to me. You came, truth came with me. And Lord, that, that I can't do it on my own. So Jesus, I pray that you would come into my heart. That you would be Emmanuel and that you would be with me. That you would partner with me. That you would be my God. That you would be my Savior. Lord, I pray right now you would forgive all of my sins and come into my heart. Be the God of my story. Be the God of my story. Lord, thank you for hearing this prayer. There are some others you have, with every head bowed and every eye closed, you, you have that relationship with God. God lives in you. But there's so many other words out there. The simplicity of this season has gotten lost amongst elves and snowmen and gifts and all of this other stuff. My prayer for you is that you would be able to recapture the wonder of Jesus Christ. That just as a child in his simple, wonderful face on Christmas morning, 
Lord, that we would all be able to come to you and that we would have faith like a child. That's what I pray for all of us, Lord, that the good news would never become old news in our life. We love you, Jesus Christ. You are Emmanuel. Thanks for becoming and coming with us.